Chapter One of the Odyssey for Boys and Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Odyssey for Boys and Girls by Alfred John Church. Chapter One The Cyclops. A great many years ago, there was a very famous siege of a city called Troy the eldest son of the king who reigned in the city carried off the wife of one of the greek kings and with her a great quantity of gold and silver she was the most beautiful woman in the world and all the princes of greece had come to her father's court wishing to marry her her father had made them all swear that if any one should steal her away from the man whom she would choose for her husband they would help to get her back this promise they now had to keep so they all went to besiege troy each taking a number of his subjects with him on the other hand the trojans were helped by many of the nations that lived near them the siege lasted for a long time but in the tenth year the city was taken then the greeks began to think about going home the story that you are now going to hear is about one of these greek princes ulysses by name who was the king of ithaca this was an island on the west coast of greece and you can find it now marked on the map ulysses was according to one story very unwilling to go he had married you see a very good and beautiful wife and had a little son so he pretended to be mad and took a plough down to the seashore and began to plough the sand but someone took his little son and laid him in front of the plough and when ulysses stopped lest he should hurt him people said this man is not really mad so he had to go and this is the story of how at last he came back when troy had been taken ulysses and his men set sail for his home the island of ithaca he had twelve ships with him and fifty men or thereabouts in each ship the first place they came to was a city called ismarus this they took and plundered ulysses said to his men let us sail away with what we've got they would not listen to him but sat on the seashore and feasted for they had found plenty of wine in the city and many sheep and oxen in the fields round it meanwhile the people who had escaped out of the city fetched their countrymen who dwelt in the mountains and brought an army to fight with the greeks the battle began early in the morning of the next day and lasted nearly till sunset at first the greeks had the better of it but in the afternoon the people of the country prevailed and drove them to their ships very glad were they to get away but when they came to count they found that they had lost six men out of each ship after this a great storm fell upon the ships and carried them far to the south past the very island to which they were bound it was very hard on ulysses he was close to home if he could only have stopped but he could not and though he saw it again soon after he was ten years before he reached it having gone through many adventures in the meantime the first of these was in the country of the cyclops or round-eyed people late on a certain day ulysses came with his ships to an island and found in it a beautiful harbour with a stream falling into it and a flat beach on which to draw up the ships that night he and his men slept by the ships and the next day they made a great feast the island was full of wild goats these the men hunted and killed using their spears and bows they had been on shipboards for many days and had had but little food now they had plenty 
eight goats to every ship, and nine for the ship of Ulysses, because he was the chief. So they ate till they were satisfied, and drank wine which they had carried away from Ismarus. Now there was another island about a mile away, and they could see that it was larger, and it seemed as if there might be people living on it. The island where they were was not inhabited. So on the second morning Ulysses said to his men, Stay here, my dear friends. I, with my own ship and my own company, will go to yonder island and find out who dwells there, whether they are good people or no. So he and his men took their ship and rowed over to the other island. Then Ulysses took twelve men, the bravest that there were in his ship, and went to search out the country. He took with him a goatskin of wine, very strong and sweet, which the priest of Apollo at Ismarus had given him for saving him and his house and family when the city was taken. There never was a more precious wine. One measure of it could be mixed with twenty measures of water, and the smell of it was wondrously sweet. Also he took with him some parched corn, for he felt in his heart that he might need some food. After a while they came to a cave which seemed to be the dwelling of some rich and skillful shepherd. Inside there were pens for the young sheep and the young goats, and baskets full of cheeses, and milk pans ranged against the walls. Then Ulysses' men said to him, Let us go away before the master comes back. We can take some of the cheeses and some of the kids and lambs. But Ulysses would not listen to them. He wanted to see what kind of man the shepherd might be, and he hoped to get something from him. In the evening the Cyclops, the round eye, came home. He was a great giant, with one big eye in the middle of his forehead and an eyebrow above it. He bore on his shoulder a huge bundle of pine logs for his fire. This he threw down outside the cave with a great crash and drove the flocks inside, and then closed up the mouth with a big rock so big that twenty wagons could not carry it. After this he milked the ewes and the she-goats. Half the milk he curdled for cheese, and half he set aside for his own supper. This done, he threw some logs on the fire, which burnt up with a great flame, showing the Greeks, who had fled into the depths of the cave, when they saw the giant come in. "'Who are you?' said the giant. "'Traitors or pirates?' "'We are no pirates, mighty sir,' said Ulysses, "'but Greeks sailing home from Troy, where we have been fighting for Agamemnon, the great king.' whose fame is spread abroad from one end of heaven to the other, and we beg you to show hospitality to us, for the gods love them who are hospitable. Nay, said the giant, talk not to me about the gods. We care not for them, for we are better and stronger than they. But tell me, where have you left your ship? But Ulysses saw what he was thinking of when he asked about the ship, namely, that he meant to break it up so as to leave them no hope of getting away. So he said, Oh, sir, we have no ship. That which we had was driven by the wind upon a rock and broken, and we whom you see here are all that escaped from the wreck. The giant said nothing, but without more ado caught up two of the men, as a man might catch up two puppies, and dashed them on the ground and tore them limb from limb and devoured them, with huge draughts of milk between, leaving not a morsel, not even a bone. And when he had filled himself with this horrible food and with the milk of the flocks, he lay down among his sheep and slept. Then Ulysses thought, 
Shall I slay the monster as he sleeps? For I do not doubt that with my good sword I can pierce him to the heart. But no, if I do this, then shall I and my comrades here perish miserably. For who shall be able to roll away the great walk that is laid against the mouth of the cave? So he waited till morning, very sad at heart. And when the giant awoke, he milked his flock, and afterwards seized two of the men, and devoured them as before. This done, he went forth to the pasture, his flocks following him. But first he put the rock on the mouth of the cave, just as a man shuts down the lid of his quiver. All day Ulysses thought how he might save himself and his companions, and the end of his thinking was this. There was a great pole in the cave, and a trunk of an olive tree, green wood, which the giant was going to use as a staff for walking when it should have been dried by the smoke. Ulysses cut off this, a piece some six feet long, and his companions hardened it in the fire and hid it away. In the evening the giant came back and did as before, seizing two of the prisoners and devouring them. When he had finished his meal, Ulysses came to him with the skin of wine in his hand and said, Drink, Cyclops, now that you have supped, drink this wine and see what good things we had in our ship. But no one will bring the like to you and your island here if you are so cruel to strangers. The Cyclops took the skin and drank, and was mightily pleased with the wine. Give me some more, he said, and tell me your name and I will give you a gift such as a host should. Truly, this is a fine drink, like I take it to that which the gods have in heaven. Then Ulysses said, My name is No Man, and now give me your gift. And the giant said, My gift is this, you shall be eaten last. And as he said this, he fell back in a drunken sleep. Then Ulysses said to his companions, be brave, my friends, for the time has come for us to be delivered from this prison. So they put the stake into the fire and kept it there till it was ready, green as it was, to burst into flame, and then they thrust it into his eye, for, as he had been told, he had but one, and Ulysses leant with all of his force upon the stake and turned it about, just as a man turns a drill about when he would make a hole in a ship timber, and the wood hissed in the eye as the red-hot iron hisses in the water when a smith would temper it to make a sword. Then the giant leapt up and tore away the stake, and cried out so loudly that the round-eyed people in the island came to see what had happened. "'What ails you?' they asked, that you make so great an uproar waking us all up out of our sleep. Is anyone stealing your sheep or seeking to hurt you? And the giant bellowed, No man is hurting me. Well, said the round-eyed people, if no man is hurting you, then it must be the gods that do it, and we cannot help you against them. But Ulysses laughed when he thought how he had beguiled them by his name. But he was still in doubt how he and his companions should escape, for the giant sat in the mouth of the cave and felt to see whether the men were trying to get out among the sheep. And Ulysses, after long thinking, made a plan by which he and his companions might escape. By great good luck the giant had driven the rams into the cave, for he commonly left them outside. These rams were very big and strong, and Ulysses took six of the biggest and tied the six men that were left out of the twelve underneath their bellies with osier twigs. And on each side of the six rams to which a man was tied, he put another ram, 
so he himself was left, for there was no one who could do the same for him. Yet this also he managed. There was a very big ram, much bigger than all the others, and to this he clung, grasping the fleece with both his hands. So when the morning came, the flock went out of the cave as they were wont, and the giant felt them as they passed by him, and did not perceive the men. And when he felt the biggest ram, he said, "'How is this? You are not used to lag behind. You are always the first to run to the pasture in the morning and to come back to the fold at night.' Perhaps you are troubled about thy master's eye, which this villain no man has destroyed. First he overcame me with wine, and then he put out my eye. Oh, that you could speak and tell me where he is. I would dash out his brains upon the ground. And then he let the big ram go. When they were out of the giant's reach, Ulysses let go of his hold on the ram and loosed his companions, and they all made as much haste as they could to get to the place where they had left their ship, looking back to see whether the giant was following them. The crew of the ship were very glad to see them, but wondered that they should be only six. Ulysses made signs to them to say nothing, for he was afraid that the giant might know where they were if he heard their voices. So they all got on board and rowed with all their might. But though when they were a hundred yards from the shore, Ulysses stood up in the ship and shouted, You are an evil beast, Cyclops, to devour strangers in your cave, and are rightly served in losing your eye. May the gods make you suffer worse things than this. The Cyclops, when they heard Ulysses speak, broke off the top of a rock and threw it to the place from which the voice seemed to come the rock fell just in front of the ship and the wave which it made washed it back to the shore but ulysses caught up a long pole and pushed the ship off and he nodded with his head being afraid to speak to his companions to row with all their might so they rowed and when they were twice as far off as before ulysses stood up again in the ship as if he were going to speak again and his comrades begged him to be silent do not make the giant angry they said we were almost lost just now when the wave washed us back to the shore the monster throws a mighty bolt and throws it far but ulysses would not listen but cried out here cyclops if any man ask you who put out your eye say that it was ulysses of ithaca then the giant took up another great rock and threw it this time it almost touched the end of the rudder but missed by a hand's breadth this time, therefore, the wave helped them on. So big was it that it carried the ship to the other shore. Now Ulysses had not forgotten to carry off sheep from the island for his companions. These he divided among the crew of all the ships, the great ramp he had for his own share. So that day the whole company feasted, and they lay down on the seashore and slept. End of chapter 1 Recording by Jenny Blankenship Culloden, West Virginia.